Welcome to Beyond the Coffee Table, the podcast. I'm your host, Terry Glenn Harris, author, speaker, coach. This podcast was designed to build up and never tear down. So without further ado, let's build. So we've come to part three of the Just Do It Now series here on Beyond the Coffee Table, the podcast. And I'm so grateful for all of your comments and all of your emails that you've sent talking about just how much you've liked this series. And I would pray that you would share it with your friends, with your family, with your colleagues, and just let them know the great things that we are talking about. So um, on part one, we talked to entrepreneur and educator Matthew King. On part two, we talked to Philadelphia Assistant District Attorney Ebony Wortham. And here on part three, we're talking to minister and youth leader Marcus Wendell. And on this episode, we're tackling everything from suicide to potential to purpose in life. Because we all have a purpose in this life. We all have something that it is we're supposed to be doing. We all have something that drives us. And Marcus actually gives you the keys to show you how to pinpoint your purpose. If you want to purchase the book Beyond the Coffee Table, it is now available. All you have to do is go ahead and click on the link within this episode and you'll be able to purchase that book. It'll be autographed for you with a real nice message. And um, I look forward to you guys hearing part three of the Just Do It Now series with Marcus Wendell. Here we go. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are here for the finale piece of the series that we're doing on Beyond the Coffee Table, the podcast entitled Just Do It Now, where we have been talking with people who are just doing their it now. Your just do it now is whatever it is you know you've been put on this earth to do, whether it be to be a speaker, whether it be to, you know, go out and, you know, read to the world, whether it be to be a teacher, a police officer, military, whatever you're reason your purpose is that's what we've been talking about and we've had two previous guests and for the finale i'm happy to have someone on who is a blood relative blood family um my cousin his name is marcus wendell and how's it going marcus going real good man thanks for having me i'm, I'm excited to be here hey listen thank you for accepting the invitation i i wouldn't as I was getting things together and I was thinking of people who I needed to have uh, come and tell their story and be a part of this, you were certainly among the top of, you know, when it came to those people. So I was grateful when yeah. you said that you would absolutely do it. Oh, yeah. So um, sure. so I, I do want to let everybody know that Marcus is a minister, and in the moment, I'll allow him to, you know, share with everybody what it is he does. Uh, but I don't want you to think that this is a religious episode. This is not a religious episode, although, you know, that topic will come up. I don't want you to think that, you know, we're trying to preach to you or anything like that. 
Should you be inspired? That is incredible because that's the purpose of this platform. Um, but this is not a religious episode. So, Marcus, go ahead and share with the listeners what it is you do. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like you said, I'm a minister. So, you know, some people you know, say I'm a I'm a pastor. So for the last uh, six years, uh, most of my uh, most of what I do has been involved with teenagers. So I've been a, a youth pastor for a few years, um, just uh, leading students, you know, training students, kind of being a spiritual guide for them. Um, you know, I just do a lot of serving, man. I love to serve people. I love to motivate people, inspire people, you know, so I've spent some time uh, doing ministry in prisons and speaking to different types of groups. And I've been in, you know, uh, high schools and middle schools and been able to talk to students and teachers. And uh, so, you know, I I basically like tell people, you know, I serve people, you know, I I love on people, I I inspire people Mm -hmm. and I try to, you know, help them become the best them they can be. Wow. That is incredible. Um, So working with the youth and you even say, you know, working with the prison ministry, how yeah. has that impacted your life? Because those are two different spectrums. Um, and, but how, how has working, let's just start with the youth first and then we'll go into the prison ministry. How has working with the youth impacted your personal life? Yeah. Um, you know, being, you know, involved with, with teenagers and, and the youth and even young adults is such a um, a great opportunity, uh, especially, you know, when you're you're an adult and you're older and you kind of see yourself in them a little bit. Right. And, um, you know, so what 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 really impacts my life is just looking back and saying, man, like they you know, they're 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 in the brink of this thing, like they're about to hit adulthood, but they're already dealing with their crazy issues now, right. you know, and. Uh, one of the biggest things that impacts me is just how they continue to continue to go on, you know, and, the you know, some of the crazy things that I've heard that, you know, students deal with in their house and in their family and in school, uh, you know, it's crazy. I, I heard a statistic and it said that um, students have uh, students today, they have the anxiety levels of people that were in insane uh, asylums in the 1960s. Oh, wow. um, so the just the, the the pressure and the struggles and everything that they deal with, it just really impacts me in a way that says, man, this generation, they need the, they need the generation before them to reach back, you know? Yes. And, you know, me and you, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're not teenagers for sure. No. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you know, when we grew up, you know, you hear a lot of the, the previous generation sometimes it's like, Oh, you guys are just lazy. I don't work as hard. And, you know, and instead of complaining about the generation, I just feel impacted to reach out to them mm. because they don't need another person, you know, telling them they're doing something wrong or they're not doing this enough. What they need is people to say, listen, I believe in you, you know, and, and just to see uh, uh, somebody's face light up and their life literally change just because some adult that's not their parent, mm-hmm. you know, not their you know, uncle or whoever, uh, not their teacher that's getting paid to say it, uh, to look at you and say, man, I believe in you. You know, I, I, I see the greatness in you. It, it, it changes their lives. You right. see them just come alive, you know. And, man, just to have such, you know, such an opportunity to see a change in somebody, man, it just, you know, it just brightens my world up to know, man, I, you know, just with words alone, just, you know, just starting with words, yes. I can help change somebody's life, you know. So that impacts me knowing that, man, I have, I have an opportunity here, you know? That is awesome. Wow. And, and w- with the with the prison piece, because, uh, you know, you know how it is. Well, not personally know how it is, but right. when people, you know, go and they are incarcerated and then they yeah. come home, yeah. they, they have this stigma 
uh, about yep. them. People have already prejudged them. They've already said, oh, I don't want you working here. I don't want you living here. I don't want you coming into this area because yeah. you are a quote unquote ex-convicted felon, you know. Yeah. Um, so with that, how how are their lives when you go in and you're speaking with them and you're ministering to them? How how does the the transition go? Like, do you see a light, you know, come on within them after you've gone and you've ministered to them? Do you see some people are kind of turned off from right. it and don't really want to hear it? Tell us about yeah. that. I mean, you you definitely see both sides. You see the people that aren't really interested in hearing what you have to say. You see the people that are like su- super excited that you're there, and um, you know, it really all depends on where they are in life. And that's a you know, it's it's a beautiful place where you get to go and minister to those that are you know, uh, behind bars because a lot of them they they kind of feel hopeless. You know, mm-hmm. they you know whether it's their first or second time in, no matter you know what it is they come home and like you said they've got that stigma to them you know don't even get me started on the prison system in america man we just set people up to fail but you know it's it's just crazy you know you make one mistake when you're 19 years old and it can you know ruin your life and anyway um you know i I see both sides man so i see the people that are like listen man i've been through i've been through it all nothing that you say to me can really change that and then you know you spend time with them and kind of like you said like i don't you know when i go in man i just want to i just want to love on people i want to you know share jesus with them but i also want to just do what i can to let them know listen man your life still matters you know right and i'm not here to preach at you i'm not here to be all you know super christian with you man i'm just here i'm just here to talk to you you know and um and that really opens people up that are like, man, I'm not too sure about this, you know? Okay. All right. And, and yeah, I, and, um, and especially yeah. when we live in such a time where, uh, you know, religion is such a touchy subject. And you think anytime somebody comes in and they have that title of minister yeah. or a pastor or a reverend, you think they're automatically there to tell you what you're doing wrong instead exactly. of tell you, no, like, if, if you just want to give me a hug, I'll just give you a hug. If you just want to sit it. here and stare at me, cool. You can just sit here and stare at me. We will do whatever it is you want to do so that you feel better, so that you know you matter, so that you know you're still human. Because I think, especially when it comes to teenagers and yeah. those who are currently incarcerated or you know got out of prison, they're, they're human. Teenagers have some of the most raw emotions because they, they, that's how you're supposed to express, you know, you're supposed to express how you feel. You're not supposed to, you know, press it down and lock it in a cage when it boils over. And then when you, when you finally snap, people are looking at you like, Oh, what's your problem? It's because we're, you know, we've made the mistake for a long time of of teaching teenagers to just sit down, be quiet, and suppress your emotions. You're not allowed to express how you feel. Just do what we say. You know what I mean? Just get your work done. Just do this and do that. So what happens is a lot of times when they become adults, they haven't learned how to express their emotions in a healthy way to seek, you know, healing and resolution. And it it just leads to a lot more problems. And you see that, you know, in the teenagers now. And I also see, again, in the prison, you know, you, you have people that, you know, this is how I handle situations. If you make me mad, this is what's going to happen. You know, right. that's just what it is. Right. Um, and, and some and, of that know, could come from when they were teenagers and yep. people did not allow them to express how they were feeling. 
Exactly. Exactly. And we, you know, uh, you know, my biggest thing is, listen, while I'm talking to you, tell me exactly how you feel. Like, don't hold back. You know, like uh, as a youth pastor, I have many private conversations with like students and their parents. I'm like, listen, you are not going to get in trouble for telling me exactly how you feel. Mm-hmm. If anything, I'm, I'm probably going to agree with you to some point <laughs> because, you know, I may not agree with, you know, uh, what you did or how you're handling something. But what I can always agree with is that your emotions and how you perceive the situation is entirely yours. And you, 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 you deserve that. And that, that belongs to you. You could be wrong, but I will never disagree and say, no, you don't feel angry. No, you, you know, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. Now let's work through it. Right. Absolutely. So, yeah. So like in the prison, um, you know, I have a lot of different types of, you know, you have the people that are so excited. They're kind of being a church service. You have, on the other end, you know, I remember a couple of months ago, I was preaching at a prison. I had a woman come up to me and say, listen, I'm just doing this. So I ain't got to sit in my cell. I said, that's what's up. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I wouldn't want to sit in there either. You know, right. uh, you know, I have some people that don't want to listen to the message, but they come up and like you said, uh, you know, want to just want to hug. Uh, some people just want to share their stories. You know, I was talking to a woman last time I was in the prison after the sermon. She said, man, it, you know, it really spoke to me. You know, I'm facing 25 right now for something I, I didn't do. Wow. You know, whether or not she didn't do it, I don't know. But she said, listen, I, I'm facing 25 for something I didn't do. You know, another woman, listen, I'm going home next week. I have nowhere to go. So it's just so many different, you know, walks of life that people are going through. Yes. And then, you know, I just I just come and try to give them a message of hope. No matter where you are, we all can have hope, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So now you're not a teenager, but you're also not, uh, I don't want to get in trouble by using the O word. Um, Uh You're also not seasoned. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what has been the biggest problem or the biggest challenge you faced being young and in ministry? Yeah. So it's crazy that you say that because it's like, um, you know, I'm 29 years old. And it's like the the older I get, the the more I realize I'm not that old. You know, right. the more I realize, right. man, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. There's so much more to learn and grow with. Uh, it's kind of like a backwards effect. Like I'm I'm aging, but I feel like I'm still younger because there's so much more to learn. And um, yeah, so being young in ministry, it's um, you know, it's it can be tough. Um, you know, because there's so many different aspects to it. But one of the things that that always kind of rocked me is I'm not dealing with paperwork. I'm dealing with people. Okay, you know. So the things that I do, the things that I say, the way I handle certain situations, it doesn't just it doesn't just affect like, oh, well, this this deadline is due for this type of thing that, I, you know, whatever different types of ways people have their work. This, you know, the way I do stuff directly impacts the pe- the, the lives of people every day. Mm. Um, you know, so that is that can be pretty weighty. That can be kind of a, you know, a daunting feeling like, man, if you know. If this person receives it the wrong way, then they're going to think this about me or even more importantly for me, they're going to think this about God, you know. So um, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest challenge for me just being young and in ministry, even from when I started, was not taking myself too serious mm-hmm. and, and uh, giving myself grace to make mistakes, okay. you know, because whether whether it's ministry, whether it's whatever, the you know, the type of job different people have, uh, we're going to make mistakes. And, you know, we are our biggest self-critics. We criticize ourselves. We look down on ourselves more than anybody else does uh, most of the time. Uh, so for myself, I have to, you know, just give myself grace to learn, uh, to grow, to apologize to people if I've done something wrong or said something wrong or handled a situation wrong. Because, you know, um, you know, I never want to put off that portrayal like, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm perfect, or oh, I'm a minister, I'm perfect. Right. No, man, I'm listen, I'm I'm walking down the same path as you. This thing called life, and we're all just trying to, you know, 
we're trying to figure this thing out. We're trying to be successful. We're trying to, you know, grow in love and enjoy and all these things, you know? Um, And it can be a challenge when you, you know, when you're young and you, you, you make that mistake and you realize, okay, well, you know, I, I should have handled that better. I should have done this differently. And you can kind of beat yourself up like, man, what am I, what am I doing here? You know, I say I'm about the people, but I made this mistake. And just learning, man, you got to you got to give yourself grace. You know, you got to give you got to forgive yourself. You got to forgive others and realize, man, that no matter what you do, you're going to make mistakes and you can't you can't let that stop you from what it is that you want to do. Right. Now, you mentioned grace a few times Uh, for those people who don't necessarily know what grace is. Go ahead and just explain that to them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when when I say like, you know, give yourself grace, it's like give yourself room to grow, give yourself room to say, I'm not going to get this down the first time. And listen, we're going to we're going to work with this thing. We're going to learn and we're going to grow. You know, Um, if my son gets a question wrong on the test, I'm not going to, you know, bash him down and put him in his room and tell him he can't come out. I want to say, oh, okay, look, this is a perfect opportunity to grow. You know, this is a perfect opportunity to learn. And when we give ourselves grace, we're saying, I don't have to be perfect, but I do have to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, I do have to grow. And I'm not going to beat myself up every time I take the wrong turn or every time I do something that I shouldn't have done. But I'm going to give myself an opportunity to learn from it uh, and and to grow from it. Because that's what it's all about. It's about growing each and every day. Yes. So you you pretty much found what it is your purpose was in this life and that is to minister to people to encourage people to let people know it's okay it'll get better um and you know just to help them through their quote-unquote storm so yeah knowing that you found your purpose and you know what your purpose in life is how would you explain to someone else discovering their purpose yeah. Um, and, and I'm I'm really big on purpose, man. You know, one of the things that I love to do as a minister is not just, you know, encourage people, but I, I love to help people discover their purpose. You know, I, I love to see people find what it is that they feel like they were made to do and created to do and say, listen, what can I do to help you succeed? Um, so for me, when it comes to purpose and finding my purpose, um, I, I heard a great quote. I don't know who said it, but it's probably one of those things that's just been around for a long time. Uh, I heard somebody say, you know, if you want to know what your purpose is, um, find out what keeps you up at night and what wakes you up in the morning. And it just kind of blew me away, like, you know, because we have so much different responsibilities in life and different things that we have to take care of. Uh, but what is keeping you up at night? What's those those lingering thoughts in your head? What is your when you're daydreaming? What does your head, you know, your mind go off to? You know, uh, when you wake up in the morning, what is it that you like? Man, if I could wake up every single morning, this is what I want to do. If I could choose, you know, a lot of our purpose and our passion have to do with what, what stirs us, right? Okay. So, so when I say what stirs us, I, I I say it like this: like what makes you mad, right? Right. So if you are, you know, if you are. You know, if you're if you're all about justice and you see people and you see people getting treated wrong, that doesn't just anger you, but it it motivates you to do something about it. You know, um, you know, if you're about social justice and I, I would also say this, you know, what makes you not just mad? What makes you sad? It's not just, oh, this angers me and I want to see a change. It affects my heart. You know, okay. I can understand and place myself in the same position of what these people are going through or what this situation is. And because of that, it stirs my my anger, it stirs my sadness, but also, you know, what makes you mad? What makes you sad? What makes you glad? Like what when you're in the middle of doing that thing, whatever it is or you can see yourself doing or you're in the middle of it, 
what is it that makes you say, man, if I could do this the rest of my life, I would be good. Okay. You know? Um, so, so when I talk to people about finding their purpose, that's, that's really what I talk about. Like what, what motivates you to, to get up? What keeps you up late at night? What stirs your emotions and your passions and, and look at, you know, some of your natural qualities. What are some things that you, you know, that you recognize about yourself that, that maybe you don't see, um, and others just quite as strong because we all have our strengths and weaknesses, yes. you know, um, some of us are great writers. Some of us aren't. Some of us are great speakers. Some of us aren't. Some of us are great with, you know, administration. You know, some of us aren't. What you will notice is a lot of times our natural talents kind of align with the purpose that our life has. And, and that's why you have that that passion for us, because I have the ability to impact the situation. I have the ability uh, to impact this this culture, this situation. And because of that, I feel drawn to it. You know mm. what I mean? Right. Okay. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, impact. So what advice would you give to that person who knows what their passion is, who knows what their purpose is, but is afraid to actually walk in and live that purpose? Yeah. Um, you know, fear is one of the biggest things that stops us from from pursuing purpose. And what I what I talk to people about that are fearful of kind of taking that next step is that um, how much do you like where you are now? Or how much would you like being where you want to be? You know, um, one of the biggest motivators for me and a lot of people is I see where I want to be and then I'm going to take a look around where I am now. And the question mm-hmm. is, how much do you want what you're looking for? You know, um, you know, I, you, you know, as far as our purpose goes and our passion goes, you know, it's, it's an in, interior craving. So we already have the desire to do it. The desire isn't usually the problem. It's putting our, our thoughts into action. It's taking the first step. And when it comes to walking, uh, walking that journey and, and pursuing that purpose and passion, uh, the hardest step is always the first step. Yes. Uh, but once you take that first step, then you take the second, you know, it's kind of like going downhill. You start getting a good momentum to you. And then it's easier to take that next step. Um, you know, I, I, I've never opened up this, you know, type of business before. But because I took the first step, it makes it a little bit easier to step out there because I've already got the momentum. And I can look back and say, well, I, this may be my first business I'm starting. But I also remember when I when I said I couldn't even finish my bachelor's degree. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh, so when you start taking steps and you say, you know, I want to get this first step done. I'm going to look around and see what it is that I that I want and where I am. And I'm going to use that as motivation to get that first step done. It just feel you feel so much better once you get that first step in. And you say, man, I can't stop now. You know what I mean? Yes, I completely agree with you on that. It, it All it takes is one step. That's it. Like me, I have this thing in my mind where I'm like, I want to change the world for the better. And I've taken and I've put these post-it notes on my mirror because I know while I want to change the world, I have to start with one. Yeah. And if I could ch- help change that one, that one will help to impact somebody else, which will go to helping to impact and make a change on the world. So, yeah, that first step is the most vital. I always tell everybody, get yourself a journal, write some things down in your journal. At the top of that page, write down, you know, what that goal is or what you feel that purpose is and then begin to just write out step by step of what you think you need to do to accomplish that goal and to fulfill that purpose. Exactly. So while, while we're talking about purpose, how did you,
that ministry was your purpose? Yeah. Um, I mean, just, you know, kind of growing up and, you know, I, I, at the age of, I think it was 18 or 19, I was, you know, spent a few years in the military and um, in the military, I really got some experience like training people, you know? So um, I started doing a lot of training in my job. I started doing a lot of speaking and helping people become better at what it is that we are all there to do. And that kind of sparked something in me because I love to, you know, there's a lot of different things I enjoy doing for myself, you know, but, but for me, I started to realize, you know, at that young age of like 18, 19, 20, I really feel at my best when I'm helping other people become better. Uh, Mm. So I kind of had at that young age, I was like, that was kind of like a spark. Like, okay, I know there's something here and it was starting to draw me. I just didn't know how it would, you know, how it would come to unfold and how that would look and, you know, what all that was going to be. So I started, you know, going for a bachelor's in psychology um, and I ended up, you know, finishing my bachelor's. Not I minored in psychology um, at that point, but so you know, I started taking those little bit of steps here and there. And uh, but you know, it's it's really for me, you know, once I really kind of gave my life to the Lord and uh, you know started living for God, is when He kind of started to 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 spark that passion in me more. And just you know, through through seeking after God, He started kind of showing me, you know, this is what I've called you to do, and that's why you feel that that drawing in you to help other people. Um, and when I started getting involved in like my church and my community, it just, it was just, you know, that, that was it for me. I, I knew this is what I was, you know, created to do. You know, I, I got in that environment where I was able to help people. Uh, you know, I got in an environment when I was serving in a food pantry, uh, you know, visiting people in hospitals, uh, praying for people, talking to people, you know, coaching people. Once I started kind of getting into that atmosphere is when I really, you know, when I really knew. So it was really I get more serious about my faith when I really start to see that kind of take action, you know? Okay. Awesome. So being um, who you are doing what you do, ministering and speaking and inspiring, that takes a certain amount of motivation to have stored up within yourself. Right. So when you feel you don't feel, or I'm sorry, when you don't feel so inspired, when you don't feel so motivated, when you just want to sit down and not just do it, and whom or in what do you find motivation to keep going? Yeah, um, so I would say one of the big motivators for me is uh, the people I do it for. You know, so, I mean, and you know how it is, you know, you have days you kind of wake up and you don't have the motivation or maybe you're going through something in your life and you're like so preoccupied with trying to handle that that you don't really have the motivation or the, you know, the, the spark to do what it is that you're in the midst of doing. And for me, because I, you know, because my main thing I work with is people, um, it, it's so much easier for me to find motivation because I don't put, you know, uh, I can put an actual face to what it is that I'm doing, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, when I'm having a bad day, I can think about that student that was suicidal until, you know, until we spent time talking and praying and just kind of working through that together. And I can see almost a before and after picture in my head of students like that and, and adults as well, just different people that I can say, you know, I, I'm having a bad day, but their life was literally impacted because I was just willing to be a voice and be a, and, and willing to be a shoulder, you know? Um, so for me, a lot of times is, you know, just putting a face to, for me personally, putting that face to uh, why it is what I do. 
um, and just focusing on the result. You know, it's kind of like going to the gym. You know, those people that are really into fitness and in the gym, there's a lot of days that they wake up and they don't feel like going into the gym. You know, I'm tired, had a long day. Yes. But then they say, well, I have this weight goal. You know, I have this marathon that I'm trying to run. So even though I don't feel like it in the moment, there are days where I have to discipline myself and go against my feelings for the purpose and the result that I'm looking for. And that's the great thing about the result is because the result doesn't change, I'm not going to let my pursuit change based on emotion. You know what I mean? Yes, I, I absolutely love that. Um, and the, the the piece where you were saying, you know, visualizing or remembering that person who is still here today, they may have wanted to commit suicide, but they didn't. They're still here because of a conversation the two of us had and you were able to impact their life to where the point where they were like, you know what, maybe it is worth living. You know, yeah. um, like you were speaking earlier on your time in the military and, you know, I too, having served, we've seen some people who were just, you know, distraught, you yeah. know, everybody's away from their family yeah. all at the same time. And, you become family because, exactly. you know, you're in Montana or you're in South Dakota or you're in Afghanistan or Iraq. Yeah. Everybody is away from their family. And it's easy to think about the permanent solution to a temporary problem. Exactly. Versus, you know what, this is temporary I'm angry, I'm sad, I'm depressed. And I, I believe we just got to get to a point where we're letting people know it's okay to be angry. It's yep. okay to be upset. It's okay to be depressed. And I'm yeah. going to go out and, you know, some people might like what I'm going to say, some people might not. But, hey, black people, brown people, yeah, therapy is real. Like, therapy was put yes. on this earth for a reason. Exactly. Seek it. Get it. Yes. Talk to a stranger about your issues, about your problems, and you'll be amazed at how much better you feel. A lot of times we feel that, oh, I'm not supposed to talk about my problems. Right. The most successful people in the world have therapists. Exactly. Okay, yeah. so wow, it's like... Good. Yes. So I'm like, we need to know that it's okay to open up and talk to our religious leaders. Or if you don't trust them, open up and talk to your parents. Or if you yeah. don't trust them, open up. And, listen, you have healthcare. Healthcare pays for, uh, you know, therapy. Like exactly. Google it. You know, you use your phone. You're on your smartphone all day, every day. Google, Google some therapists. Talk to somebody about your problems because you are needed here. You're needed yeah. on this earth and therapy is okay. I know I just said that, you know, a moment ago, but I'll say it again yep, yep. for that person who needs to hear it. Therapy is okay. I don't care what your friends say. I don't care what your cousins have to say. Therapy is okay. And if they think it's not okay, get them one too. Right. <laughs> you, you, all of us might need it. You no, know, you're right, I'm man. not afraid to say that I seek it. Yeah. You know, in, in the form of mentors, in the form of religious leaders, in the form of close friends, I seek therapy, you yeah. know, and it's nothing wrong with it. So I'm sorry. I know I just went off on a tangent, but no, that's, I, I that's just really good. thinking about I'm, that. No, you. It, it's funny that you said that because it's actually something I've been thinking about over like the last uh, year or so is that, man, you know, within the black community, I feel like, you know, we really don't like to acknowledge mental health issues, mm -hmm. you know, and. 
Yeah, so, uh, you know, my, my, my daughter, you know, she's five years old and she's always dealt with anxiety issues growing up, you know, and um, what we realized was there came a point where it's like, okay, you know, what she's dealing with, um, you know, is bigger than just telling her to calm down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, we, after, you know, she, she turned three and then four and we realized this isn't just, you know, this isn't a normal, oh, she just gets nervous sometimes, you know, she was having breakdowns. Uh, she, you, you would just see legitimate fear in her eyes when it came to like being in a room full of people she didn't know or being away from her parents. Uh, so, you know, we went and, you know, we sought counseling and, you know, at, you know, we went through the different diagnosis and, and basically, you know, she has several different types of anxiety, um, you know, and we, you know, so now she's in therapy, she's five years old, she goes to therapy every week and is helping her, you know what I mean? Um, it's actually helping her now. And we realize that this is something that's bigger than us. And it's okay that she deals with it. And it's okay that we're seeking the help that she needs. Absolutely. And that's the thing as, as adults, we, you know, we, we suppress so much. Yeah. We don't do so much, even things that we enjoy doing as children. For instance, a child will tell you, right away when they don't want to do something, when they don't feel well, um, when they're afraid, when they're happy, they will let you know. But for some reason, at some point in time in our adult lives, we stopped doing that. I don't know why we stopped doing those things when it was, or if we were trained to stop doing those things, to stop having those emotions. But we need to find out how to get back to being and living in the freedom exactly that we lived in as children exactly. I, I just that's where we have to get back to um so you got married at um at what some would call too young and yeah. being married for now a decade happy uh belated anniversary by the way thank you thank you <laughs> what would you say to someone looking to fulfill a dream but are being told you're too young or you're too old yeah i would you know it's one of those things where man life is very long so i look at people that say oh man you're too young and i say at what point do you think i would be old enough and then at what point you know uh, should I start listening to to people that tell me I, I can't fulfill something, mm-hmm. you know, and as far as too old, you know, you know, I always tell, you know, I, I spent a lot of time around other seasoned people and I tell people, listen, as long as you have a pulse, you have a purpose, right? You know, that's what that feeling is when you when you put those two fingers up on your neck on your wrist is, you know, you have purpose, you have purpose. And, you know, so w- whether you're young or, you know, you say, man, you know, I don't have the experience, you know, I'm you know, this, that, and the third, uh, you have a lot of things that other people older don't have, and that can serve you well. Those that are older, you know, you have a lot of things that younger people don't have that will serve you well. And because of that, we're always in a great position, you know, to learn, to grow, and become who we feel that, that we are created to be. Um, I, I say that destiny has no age. Agree. I, I like I, I like that. And I, and I also feel that you're too old. It's never until they put on top of that box and exactly like that it's too late it's always a great time to get started and right now is always the greatest time to get started exactly um, so when your family are for a huge move you got 
are leaving sunny California and you're going to the snow mountains of Colorado. <laughs> um, and you're sunny Florida, but it's all good. Right. I mean, um, <laughs> so you're making this move on. Now, yeah. how is it possible for you to make such a move? And do you hope to gain from the move? Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you said something earlier, you know, we were talking about just your purpose and like finding motivation. Right. Um, we talked about, you know, remembering, remembering why you started, you know, you, instead of remembering the what, like what I have to do, you remember the why. Yes. And, you know, when it comes to like, you know, like you said, we're making a huge move, you know, we've lived in Florida for a long time and, you know, Florida's home for me, uh, home for my wife, um, you know, and because we're making this big move, you know, we're excited and everything, but yeah, you know, it, it, it takes some faith. And the reason why we're able to do that um, is because we can remember. We can remember the different ways that, you know, we've stepped out in faith to do other things. And we've seen, you know, um, just just great things happen. We've seen God do some great things, you know. Um, one of the, the uh, best testimonies I like to share about uh, just, just um, you know, seeing God respond to faith is, you know, my wife, a couple of years ago, a lot of people don't know this, uh, she actually got diagnosed with uh, Crohn's disease. And it was so bad that it was literally eating her body away. She was dying. And it took almost a year, and she was in the hospital for at least a week every single month. Uh, and after almost a year, they had uh, some medicine that she could take. And by this point, we had already moved. And, you know, she would have to drive, like, every week, two hours just to get this medicine, just to be able to live. Um, and, you know, we began to pray and, um, you know, what people would say is foolish. We did. And my wife said, you know, I feel like I shouldn't take this medicine. I think that I'm going to get healed. And, you know, she she didn't take the medicine. And within a week, she got completely healed. Crohn's disease just left her body. Wow. So, you know, we thank God for that. Um, but, it's, it's you know, we remember all the ways that that we've seen God's faithfulness. So. Uh, when we step out, knowing that, you know, we're, we're doing what we were created to do and called to do, we know that there's going to be an answer on the other side, you know? That is awesome. So, and you're believing and you're being faithful and you're just doing it now. You've already yeah. been, you've already seen so many successes that it's like, how dare I not do this? Exactly. Thing? How dare I not continue to move? How dare I not go from Florida to Colorado? Exactly. You know, I, I always tell people I, I'd rather live humbly in faith than live comfortably in fear. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, if we're not careful, we will let the comfortability of our life uh, turn into fear to keep us from stepping out and doing that dream. You know, you got a good job, but you're an artist at heart and that's where your passion is. But because you're comfortable, uh, you're like, OK, maybe I should just do the art thing part time where there's some people that are writers and, you know, they're not willing to put in the time because I got to take care of responsibilities. And I'll listen, you know, I'm all about taking care of responsibilities. You know, I'm a, I'm a father of three. I'm all about taking care of the family. Uh, but, you know, there's going to be a day where you look back and you say, man, you know, you know, one of the biggest things that people regret is not following their dreams. You know, I've read uh, an article that said that's one of people's biggest regrets when they get older is not following their dreams, right. you know, and I would rather live in faith than in fear. And man, this, you know, this is the life that we get. And I, I want to do it pursuing what I feel created to do. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, we, we have um, come to the end of this great interview. Again, I thank you for 
being here and you know sharing your story and answering some questions and i hope that it's been an inspiration to somebody listening uh but yeah. before we go just go ahead and tell everyone how they can get in touch with you where they can follow you um you know your social media yeah yeah absolutely um so you know i'm on uh facebook and instagram if you just look up marcus j window you can find me on there uh, you find my family. You can find the different things that, you know, we're doing ministry-wise. And also on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Not as much Twitter, but on Instagram, you can find me at Servant Window, uh, S-E-R-V-A-N-T-W-I-N-D-L-E, Servant Window. Uh, you can follow me and see what we're doing. Awesome. That's incredible. And so, and for those of you listening who would like to be a part of the conversation, you can always send me an email at beyondthecoffeetable@ at gmail.com uh, i'm sorry i said that wrong beyond the coffee table yeah. at outlook.com i guess i need to learn my own email address there you go uh, <laughs> go ahead and send that email to me beyond the coffee table at outlook.com send me some questions you want to be on the show let me know that um and then let me know how what you thought about this episode uh by just yeah. go ahead and clicking on that comment button leave your comment below go ahead and like the show um if you want to follow me, I'm available on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Terry Glenn Harris. And now I'm going to leave you as I do at the end of every episode. I want you to take this second, take this minute, take this day, take this hour, take this week, take this month. We still have three months left in this year. So take this year and be Great. I love y'all in real life. Peace. Beyond the Coffee Table, the podcast is brought to you by the Harris Compound. Please remember to like, subscribe, and tell a friend about your experience with today's episode.